This episode of the Council of the First Ones was recorded on December 15th, 2019. Welcome to another episode of the Council of the First Ones. I'm your host, Kelly. Joining me today is Renee. How are you doing, Renee? Oh, I'm getting ready. Um, I got to get finals and I need my break. Oh, I know. That break can't come soon enough. We also have Rex joining us. Hello, everyone. Great to be here. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, too. We also have David joining us. Hey, Hello. Dave. Ready for Christmas? Absolutely. Cannot wait. And it's so great to be back on the show. Thank you. And we have Sean joining us. Hi. Happy holidays, everybody. And Renee, I see that you brought someone with you today. I know she's very familiar to many of us, but I'll let you introduce her. Well, we've had to bring her. Okay. She's a longtime Motu fan. The community knows her completely. And I have to, again, point out that this is the hardest working woman at PowerCon. I swear to God, I saw her hosting a panel while managing the online collectibles booth at the same time. I don't know how she did it. Okay, you know her as Penny Dreadful. We got Danielle. Thank you for being here. Wow, thank you. That's quite an introduction. This is see when you have multiple personality disorder, you can do anything. You can, you can <laughs> ten places at once. I use it to my advantage. <laughs> well, thank I'm, you for I'm having always, me back. Thank you. I'm I'm always amazed uh, seeing you at PowerCut because I'm like you're everywhere. <laughs> And I'm there 10 minutes. I'm tired. <laughs> so Someday I just want to like just go and just get a ticket to PowerCon and just experience it as an attendee instead of uh, as, as a, you know, a guest manager for the con because it's, it goes by in such a, a blur because of all the things that are, that I, I have to be at the schedule to be in the toy room and the moderating panels and then checking in with guests to make sure they, they have everything they need. So I love it every year, but it is, um, I'd love to see it from the perspective of somebody who goes to the con as a fan to just experience it that way, you know? You can do what uh, Mark Hamill did and dress up in a costume so nobody recognizes you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great idea. The only way, only way she's going to be able to do that because Val will spot her and say, I need you to do this. See, you've you've seen that happen, haven't you? It's because it happens all the time. Val, I know he's listening to this. I'm sure. <laughs> no, it's fun. It's it's pretty it's pretty cool. Like we're we, this is next. Oh, is it 2021 is going to be on the 20th, on uh, the 10th rather an, uh, anniversary of PowerCon. So that's hard to believe that we started this thing in 2011 and uh, and that it's still it's grown every year to the point where this past year where we had um, at the new hotel in Anaheim near Disneyland and we had Kevin Smith there to announce the new cartoon and uh it was super exciting uh this year i think and next year is gonna i think is gonna be even more exciting because we're gonna be closer to the movie release and the and the cartoon release so it uh, should be pretty exciting 
And, and hopefully our Super 7 toys will come out. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. No. <laughs> on your yeah, figures too. yeah, yeah. I think we'll have, we'll have, like, the, the William Stout collection is supposedly is shipping in what, January, they said, or December or January. So Actually, we should... I got an email saying that they're coming in on the boat. Nice. So hopefully, uh, you know, I mean, I had a Christmas wish. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming, but, <laughs> See, you got your wish. Santa heard oh, you. Well, it might be a Chinese New Year, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have uh, Snake Mountain that's coming in what the summer, I think they said, right? Or is it spring or summer? So we'll ha- we'll have that. Hopefully by PowerCon, it would be nice to have Snake Mountain. Actually, I just <laughs> had a post about that uh, yesterday. I'm checking on the website right now. AdultCollector.org, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and well, then we kind of yeah. had a little discussion with that. Did you order a Snake Mountain? Me? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes, okay. I did. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, had to get that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always ask people because you know, to me, that had to be like the make or break. Yeah. <laughs> of, of collectors, you know, because asking, oh my lord, I still, I still grasp how much I actually dropped. <laughs> just try not to think about it try not to think about it <laughs> exactly you can't think about it did you did you guys all get it or yes yeah, yeah i yeah. did get it it's going to be challenging trying to find a place to put that thing i you know the odd I, man out <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know they had it on display uh not last year but the year before remember brian brought it at the uh, power con and i saw it and I was like, I need to have this. Here's yeah. my credit card. <laughs> I, <need to> have <laughs> I was surprised it, they didn't have it this past year. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't bring it. Yeah, it was but, at the factory. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was being all uh, tooled. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's what, oh, right. Yeah, the prototype. Yeah, Brian right. said that he had it. It's in China right now. They're doing whatever they do to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and now we've got those beautiful test shot photos. Well, and I know that we we had a little discussion for like the minute I was able to talk to you at PowerCon. You're you're still not getting the new figures. Um, the Origins figures. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be something where I'm not going to collect an entirely new line uh, of characters that I've already collected. Uh, in the vintage line and in the 2000X line and in the classics line, I'm like, I can't, I'm tired. I can't do it again. But I will uh, probably selectively pick up characters. Like, I'm definitely going to get that that Orko figure. I'm I'm absolutely going to get that. They, they just reveal teased uh, from what Mattel. What a sneaky reveal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll probably pick up selected ones. Um, if they do any characters that they never released in the vintage line, I, I might get those uh, to display with the with the vintage figures. Like if they, I doubt they will. Um, maybe down the road they'll make like uh, Queen Marlena or Strongarm or Icer or something like that. I, I'd probably get things like that. Cringer. Uh, I'd, I'd pick up a Cringer if they made him. Um, but I, it's probably going to be kind of a selective thing as opposed to collecting everything. Like classics, I have complete. I just went all in for for classics, um, and I I just I would like to see classics continue uh, in some capacity. Although I know we're really deep into the roster at this point, so it's like we're dealing with more obscure characters. But I I really want like a Hunga the Harpy and Lady Slither and and um, 
I don't know, uh, massive power demons. Like there are so many cool, cool characters they could still do that I would like to see. But I, I yeah, the origins. I love that Orc Orco figure. I'm definitely definitely picking that up and probably a few others. Pick up the Adam Premium G pack. I did not get it. No. Did you guys get that? Oh, it was I, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does look really enough. cool. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough that I had a friend went to uh, San Diego Comic Con and he picked me up one. Yeah, it looks good. Like the plastic looks looks pretty pretty solid and it looks high quality. I love that they did the blue vest Prince Adam too. Like that's yeah really cool that they went for that for the early early stuff. Like and I thought that was what they were gonna do originally. Like when they called it Origins and they released that two pack, I thought they were gonna do all the early like Alka Mark Taylor kind of designs. So but now it looks like they're sort of recreating the vintage toy line instead. Which is cool too, but curious to see. They'll probably do variants. I'm sure they're going to do like variant, like paint decos and stuff that that are more reflective of the different versions and things like the Red Beast Man or something mm -hmm. like that. You know. Well, I I would hope we would see those in, uh, especially the mini comic versions at like San Diego Comic Con, maybe even Power Power Con. I don't know. Well, I mm -hmm. have to say that I love how they were customizable. You can switch their armors, their legs, their hands. I mean. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're highly customizable. It's a customizer that really appeals to me. We'll swap the figures. Mm -hmm. That is a cool thing. That's a that's an interesting dynamic because you can make any kind of character you want to make. You, you will, sky's the limit with that. Yeah, and they're compatible with the wrestling ones too, right? The Masters of the WWE. Yeah, that's what makes them really good. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I'm such a huge, and as of many of you are huge mini comic fans, and I was really looking forward to those. Although my understanding is each wave of figures is going to have the same one comic, and now mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. we're seeing with the Masters of the uh, Masters of the WWE Universe figures that the comic itself is only one piece of paper folded. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That's too bad. That's disappointing. That was the th I was actually really in, in, interested in the mini comics. Like I want to see what stories they're going to tell, but exactly. that's too bad that it's so short. You know. I saw. Well, I finally saw them this weekend on the. Uh, I got the ring. Mm -hmm. Or again, I always told people I was going to debate. I needed to see it, and then I was going to decide whether I was going to get those wrestling figures. And then I finally saw it at Walmart. It arrived at one of my WalMarts in El Paso, Texas. I was holding it. And I was like examining. I had John Cena, mm -hmm. and again, it said the most invisible man in the universe. Uh huh. As his title, <laughs> it had Triple H as Terror Claus Triple H, mm -hmm. and it said Terror Claus Terror King of King. Uh huh. And I was like wrestling, and oh well, not. And I was like, hmm, hmm, hmm. The figures look solid. Again, they 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 look quality. And mm -hmm. then I was like, hmm, should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? And then my wife comes in. She just snatches it from my hand and goes, it's a Christmas present. <laughs> That's great. That's and so I was great. like, I, I can't open it. That's so cool. I'm definitely, I'm not collecting those, but I'm going to get the Undertaker Scare Glow hybrid that they teased at PowerCon. I'm like, that's absolutely perfect. Of course, they had to combine Scare Glow with the Undertaker. That just makes way too much sense. So I, I think I have to get that one. I loved so the Undertaker. Cool. Yeah, he that's fits Hulk perfectly. Hogan should have been He-Man, so uh, when they do a Hulk Hogan figure, I'll say you arm on him. <laughs> I was kind of surprised he wasn't He-Man. I was like, oh, Hulk Hogan, because in the 80s, it was sort of the right time period, you know, during that time. But I'm not as familiar with John Cena, but I know he's the more recent 
superstar, mm-hmm. I guess, you know. Yeah. Hopefully but I told them at the PowerCon, yeah. I told the toy guys at the PowerCon, I'm like, I need to see Roddy Roddy Piper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, and he kind of like smiled at me and said, don't worry. Yeah, I wonder who they'll combine them with, though. Like, well, John Cena, what's his incantation going to be? By the power of invisibility, you can't yeah. see me. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Is that why his axe and shield are translucent? Kind of blue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's his motif. Uh, there's supposed to be a very there's a variant down the line where he's transparent. My wrestling <laughs> knowledge diminishes after the the 80s, like or, or the 90s, yeah, maybe the 90s. Mine does yeah. too. <laughs> I mean, I'm still Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Rodney Rondi Piper. Come on, The Rock <laughs> as The Rock. That, that's just a given. Well, they make him rock, rock on or stoner. Yeah, that, somebody somebody on one of the groups was saying if they don't do a The Rock is rock on and Steve Austin is stoned are they're completely nuts. Yeah. And I, the more I think about yeah. that, I'm like, that's brilliant. Like, that, and then totally. they're doing like their own rock figure, which means to go like, okay, but you completely missed that window. That would have been amazing. <laughs> oh, come on, Jake the Snake Roberts as a snake man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nailed it. Perfect. Well, it's interesting. They're using some of the uh, accessories and weapons from classics with those wrestling figures, like they're reusing those molds. So um, that'll be kind of interesting. Um, and if actually, you know, something they could do with the origins is is if or if they threw um, some like vintage accessories from the cartoons or, or the comics in with the figures, well, you know, like in Cla- in uh, Club Grayskull, we got like the Horn of Evil with Clawful and things like If they continued to do that, but still scaled it so that you could use it with either Origins or Classics, I think Classics fans might want to buy in to the Origins just so they could get those like accessories too to dis- use with their Classics collections. Because then you could, yeah. if there's a little bit of crossover there between the two, you could pull in the collectors who are, you know, wanted to continue the classics collections, but not necessarily collect origins. A weapons, yeah. a weapons pack would be very popular. Mm, totally. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, I just wanted to cover briefly that. Yeah. It's, un, it's unfortunate that it, the neck peg, they didn't change it. So you, you can't, you can still use classics heads on the origins figures, just not as well as, as you could if it was properly sized. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll change that at some point. That would, that would be. No, I know that you... was a. Mm-hmm. They addressed it at PowerCon, and it had something to do with the uh, child safety because well, they, it's not going to be a, an adult collector line. They just said and they that had you know, change it. They just said as long as <laughs> I asked the question, they said uh, you know as long as it makes sense in as long as uh, it's okay safety wise, then I you know that they'd be in they'd be uh, you know in favor of it, but. Then again, the WWE figures came out are coming out so much sooner than the Origins figures that I feel like we're pretty much locked in in terms of changes to uh, peg sizes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting they did Finn Balor as uh, Venom-like with the kind of tentacles. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, that was yeah, that was an interesting choice. What's that? What are the tentacles all about? Do you know? That was okay. kind of his early motif, wasn't it? When he popped into the wrestling. Oh, right. was it? Okay. Yeah, like he had kind of like oh, it's hard to describe, but that's kind of how his early look. And then they oh. kind of realized, or I think maybe the wrestler didn't want to do this; it was too gimmicky. 
and mm-hmm. he quickly got rid of it. But he was like that. He looked like that. Okay. For like a, a couple of months into his debut. I'm not familiar with him at all. I was like, who who is that guy? Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, part of it is, Danielle, you were with me, right? You were there from the start with Classic. Um, I actually, I didn't uh, start buying them, and I I resisted because I was, okay, so I was mad when the Staction's stopped uh the 2000x stactions i was mad that 2000x ended and so classics came out and i thought they looked great and i said i'm not gonna buy them they're too expensive i'm not gonna do it no way and then i did not buy them right away and then in 2010 i finally broke down and i started buying them so it was about a a year and a half in i i jumped on it um and uh and then i went back and got all the ones i missed in 2009 and at the end of 2008 i went back and got those so i got them for a decent price at the time because it was early on still in classics and then after 2010 i was completely subscribing and and doing all the whole thing so yeah but i'm not going to do it First classics. Um, uh, my first classics figure was the same figure that was my first vintage Masters of the Universe figure, Faker. Uh, oh, nice. f- yeah, oh. I got I got Faker. They reissued him. Uh, it was I think it was the same month. Was it Whip, the same month Whiplash came out? I'm not sure, but I I bought Faker because they you know how sometimes they would reissue the the figures on Maddie Collector. So I I got Faker, and uh, that was the first figure I got in the vintage days too. Yeah. That was part of the my childhood impact. I regretted. Well, I don't say I regretted my childhood collecting because mm-hmm. as a kid, I collected everything. I collected Masters, GI Joes, Transformers. You know, I was completely in that toy culture. I mean, immersed <laughs> like like anything. You know, watching GI Joe and Transformer cartoons. And mm-hmm. so there was times where I wanted a GI Joe, not a He-Man. There was times I wanted a Transformer, you know, and not, you know, my t- as a kid, you know, you shift. Mm-hmm. And I completely regretted how much I missed out on these figures. I never got a faker. I mm-hmm. never got, I got some ones that I love, you know, I mean, plenty, but I never had the complete set. And mm-hmm. I always wish I did. Mm-hmm. And that's why when Classics came out, I was there day one. I signed up, yeah. I grabbed them. I ended up buying multiples at times. <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I've had toy dealers at toy conventions sell me lots that mm-hmm. I've ended up mine. And I was just kind of curious how you display it because for me, yeah. I have one shelf where I have kind of my favorites and then everything else I have in my preserved boxes in bins. And mm-hmm. I have one room that's full of bins mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I don't know even where I'm going to put my snake mountain. <laughs> That is that is a problem. Like it's like that thing is so big. I, who who? It's going to be tough to figure that one out. I think I have a spot finally figured out. But um, I um I have it displayed by faction. Um, so I have them all uh, on display in my office, and I I put up uh these white shelves um that I just got at Home Depot. They're like bra- uh, bra- you know, brackets on the wall. I have them all on. Oh, that's awesome. I just saw a picture of Faker with the magenta armor. Um, uh, they um, are on white shelves, and uh, I have these risers that I got at Bed Bath and Beyond, and um, so I have by like Heroic Warriors, um, Evil Warriors, Great Rebellion, uh, Evil Horde, Snake Men, uh, Preternia, 
um, like Powers Powers of Grayskull, uh, New Adventures, uh, Son of Heman, and then I have like a variants section too with like all the variants. I have an independent villains section with characters like Count Marzo and um, Shakoti and things like that. Uh, so I kind of have it broken up by faction. And I think that was, you know, the thing that got me to can finally convince me to buy classics, I think was the fact that at first I didn't think it was going to last long. And even Scott Knightlick, you know, at first was saying that they thought it was only going to last like, you know, like eight figures or something like that. But then when they rolled out on the reveals for 2009 and I saw where it was going and uh, I was, they were doing things like um, Adora and, and the green goddess and they were going over to you know Scareglow and King Randor and and uh, and stuff like that. Um, I was like, okay, they're they're actually planning to go beyond just like you know these eight back characters. They're gonna do everything, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Like you know, we ended up with now at this point al almost three hundred figures from every iteration of Masters of the Universe and Princes of Power and New Adventures. Um, so I think when I saw that it was going in that direction, I was like, okay, we, we're going to get the the dream collection that we always wanted. Like I love my loved my vintage stuff back in the 80s, but um, never in my wildest dreams that I think we would have the characters that we've gotten in, in classics. So that's why I've kind of like, I'm a little heartbroken that they're putting it into hiatus. Cause I want to see where, where it's going to go. Uh, isn't that great? Like, I love that we have like a, a, a great rebellion of in the filmation. That was what I wanted in the eighties. Cause I remember seeing secret of the sword. And then I was like, I was hoping that the princess of power figures, which I love now, but at the time I was a little disappointed because I was like, oh, they don't really look like the cartoon at all, mm -hmm. you know? And then uh, classics kind of like most of the Great Rebellion figures look like the filmation versions. So uh, it was exciting to to get that, um, those characters in that style. There's still so many more that they could do. And I, I honestly, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't have origins as your sort of main main um, retail line and then keep classics going for the hardcore fans and just do like, you know, maybe do it like quarterly, like one figure every four months or, or every three months or something like that and kick kickstart it so we could crowdfund it and the, hard, the hardcore fans that want to continue their collections um, with like King Miro and, and all these characters that we still kind of need for for our collections or all the rest of the new adventures you know like there's still 10 vintage uh figures they haven't done uh like artilla and lizor and all those those characters so it'd be neat neat to get them too you know and mm -hmm. just to show the other side mm -hmm. is that their logic is that collectors only have so many dollars yeah to allocate to them and so they kind of realize or maybe they've studied and they said okay you know, we've done this toy line for a lot of years. And that's a remarkable thing about the classics. The classics hanged in there for an extremely long time. Mm -hmm. uh, almost 10 years. I think we did pass 10 it years. It was 10 yeah. years. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And for a toy line, that's amazing. That's that's historic. But, you know, the people that were not collecting 10 years ago are going are have a near impossible task of picking up the core figures mm -hmm. and they're jumping on the formula that playmates and hasbro does uh specifically like with their star wars and transformers and ninja turtles 
where they reboot the toy line after so many years and they get all the characters out there and Mm -hmm. then it kind of goes into a quiet lull and then it comes back. Mm -hmm. And that's a formula Masters of the Universe hasn't touched on. You know, Ninja Turtles, oh my God, you know how many iterations (laughs) we've had. Transformers Mm -hmm. has a nice renaissance right now uh, Mm -hmm. going with their current toy line that it's new but yet vintage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and supposedly, uh, you know, G.I. Joe is going to come back next year. We'll see. But again, Masters just hasn't touched that. Mm-hmm. I think that's why crowdfunding would be the way to go, because then you lock in the funds before you go into production on it. Uh, and that way you don't really I mean, with our fan base, I think you could put up a design by like Axel Jimenez or Nate Barch, you know, and you put up you put up a design of what the figure is going to look like. Uh, and then if fans want that character, they kickstart it, you know, and when they get enough to produce the figure, then we go into the prototype sculpting stage and with the four horsemen on board and uh, show the proto, you know, you got, you do, do the sort of the, have the money on the table before you even go into production on something like that. I think that would be the way to do it. And then do direct to consumer, like straight, straight to your house kind of, kind of deal. Um, because otherwise, I mean, there's no way at this point, this far into the roster like we can't do a subscription or anything like that anymore um there aren't enough people that want want it but i think for the people that do i think if you do pay for it in advance and crowdfund it that's the way to do it and then limit it to maybe four figures a year or something like that because yeah, so that's the hard part like that when they did the ultimates when super seven took it over that mm-hmm. was all you know made to order and everything yeah. and then mm-hmm. you know like now you go on ebay and easily without batting an eye you're you're paying a hundred dollars because of how specialized that run was oh yeah for people who want them now and they're like oh i didn't do that two years ago i should have done it you know and yeah um and that's that's like you know damned if you do damned if you don't technically in that case because you got to get on board when you can and then if not you know you're gonna have to pay the aftermarket you know Mm -hmm. double or triple what you paid originally and that shies people away too then so yeah it's like you know really 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 narrow tightrope to walk with collectors on definitely i bet you any snake mountain is gonna go for a fortune in a few years like yeah yeah Yeah. because i mean that's so i'd say a few months after its release yeah yeah because then people are going to see how cool it is in people's collection. Yeah. They're going to be like, I should have bought that. <laughs> I was just going to say that people are already trying to sell Snake Mountain on eBay for a couple thousand. Oh, wow. I remember in the 90s, back this was back in the mailing, the Guardians of Grayskull mailing list days in the very early days of the fandom in the um, mid-90s. And at the time, I was trying to hunt down anything I was missing from my vintage collection because I collected like 82 to 85, all the characters. And um, I had some of the vehicles. I had Snake Mountain and stuff. But I was missing a lot of the later stuff. And um, I found uh, a fan who sold me Eternia playset mint in box and castle grayskull mint in box midnight in the mid 90s of mind you 600 bucks for both together (laughs) and then i i stupidly sold sold them when i moved to california i sold my vintage collection when i moved to california i I had eternia place that in the box and castle grayskull in the box together for 600 bucks i was like uh never again will that happen (laughs) yeah i got the laser figures 
laser power oh, human, man. laser light Bellator from a dealer in Europe. Okay. This was, again, this was in the mid nineties. I found a dealer in Europe. I found out about laser power human and laser light Skeletor because I think it was like Tomart or something had them listed in the, in the collection listing. I'm like, who are these characters? So I found a European dealer who was selling them and I got them $75 a piece carded mint on card for laser wow. light Skeletor and laser power human. Oh. Back, <laughs> this was way back in the day. I, you know, I've again, sold them with my vintage collection when I before I moved to California at the time I was moving out to California to go study theater out there and what an idiot I saw I sold all I should have just I should have just kept it like in my parents attic or something and gotten gotten it when I got back but yeah yeah that's what are you gonna do yeah, this is why I'll never part with my classic collection is <laughs> don't never, never. don't don't do it <laughs> one power con Back in Torrance, where uh, somebody had a, an Eternia in the box mm-hmm. on sale. Oh, I the remember vendors. this one, too. Everybody they, surrounded they, them and just looked at it. Just <laughs> There was like people just standing around, just staring at it. Do you he remember what? Charged. Oh, he wasn't selling it? He just had it yeah, on he display? he was selling it. Um, oh, what did he want for it? Would buy it. <laughs> uh, I think, if I believe, wanted 5000 Whoa, 5000 Holy yeah. moly. Yowza. Uh, <laughs> somebody did buy it. That was the thing. Somebody no kidding. Wow. wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I have yeah. a loose one now. I do have a loose one, but it, it's not. It's incomplete. I'm missing quite a few pieces from it. But wow, geez, 5000 The only ones I never got were, uh, I never got Titus and Megator. And because uh, I couldn't find them anywhere back then, and I never got uh, the w- Wonderbred He-Man, the brown, brown-haired He-Man. You know, I never found him anywhere either. So I mean, I don't know if that counts as part of the collection. I never found him. Uh, Titus and Megator, I definitely wanted back then, but I just couldn't find them. And now you know, they go for a fortune too on on eBay. Every once in a while, you see a Titus or a Megator there, and they go for a thousands of dollars as well so mm-hmm. well i did um, ask brian if uh so after this you're gonna do eternia yeah and he looked at me like he wanted to punch me yeah because i brought up yeah you're gonna do the terradrome how about that <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It, wouldn't it technically be like baby steps he should do the the um fright zone next anyway Oh, Fright Zone. Yeah, Fright Zone. Yeah, Crystal Castle. Crystal uh, Castle. Yeah. Work, your, work your way up. And then Slime Pit. Slime oh, pit. the Slime Pit. Yeah, there you go. Oh, Get that was off. the regret. It was going to happen. Remember, they brought that up. At the yes, moment. yes, they were. They were going to do the Slime Pit. Yeah, oh. and he was going to come with He was gonna come with Slime Pit uh, He-Man. So luckily, at least we got we got this, the Slime Pit He-Man at, at PowerCon as an exclusive, but... Uh, yeah, that's too bad. Oh, it always hurts no. what we uh, almost had or what we could have had. You know, that's <laughs> that's the part that always gets yeah. to me. Like, it, you know, since we're dealing with Masters of the Multi-Universe, I always <laughs> like to think there's another alternate Earth where Maddie Collector <laughs> is still going. Yes. <laughs> and we're here talking about, you know, tw- the 2020 toy line. <laughs> that's kind of bad. by the time you know they bring back classics and i hope they eventually do people are going to be wanting characters based on the revel uh motu revelation cartoon yeah live action movie you know Mm -hmm. the shira stuff the like Mm -hmm. shira stuff yeah yeah 
I want to find I think the, that's uh, a given that we're eventually going to have a revelation toy line. Of course, a movie toy line. So oh yeah, that's, that's another, yeah. If we've I got voice actors. I wonder if going to smash for the revelations toys with the origin toys kind of merge them. A smart person would make them compatible. Yeah. Yep. You know, like like same scale, same you know design, because like kids kids would want to play. Right. You know, and that's the ones that I keep bringing up. We got to bring in the kids. We got to bring in the next generation. I mean, I know you're all babies, but I'm an old man. I'm being kind. But... <laughs> tell, tell that to my back when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> 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 I'm losing but, feeling in my left leg. Here's your mother. You know, I really feel like they're not slouching at all in their efforts to to make uh, Masters of the Universe a huge splash uh, this this next year, uh, next couple of years. I mean, we've got Kevin Smith working on Revelation with probably Mark Hamill is what we're hearing and Kevin Conroy. Uh, what? No, I yeah. saw that over. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Wait, I missed it. Was, it was on his Batman Twitter. Batman and the uh, Joker account. coming to the universe. Wait, he, who, is, who is he playing? It, they didn't. Well, they didn't the, announce anything. But but what they what? did, they had a picture of Kevin Smith with Kevin Conroy, and he said that he says uh, Kevin Conroy is the voiceover master of the universe or something along those lines, and and the the way he was hinting at it, and then Mark Hamill also said he was on his way to go record something. But he wasn't allowed to say anything because of a non-disclosure agreement. Wow, that's so awesome! Oh let my the, gosh! Let wow. let that commence. Go I, ahead and let your minds run wild of what's going to happen with that one. Wow, <laughs> I can't. I'm kind of hoping Mark Hamill does Skeletor. Yeah, I mean, wow. Mark Hamill can do anything. He can do. Yeah, I don't care what he does as long as if he's in it. I'm good. And Kevin Conroy too. He's such a uh, oh man. There's a great he man. Or yeah. Mark Hamill as Orko. And at arms. Oh, no. As <laughs> Orko. <laughs> Maybe. Hmm. Now that I think about it. No. He'd be fine with it. He'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah he, he could do it. I was thinking Kevin Conroy's Man at Arms would work well, too, actually, now that you mention it. Or even Hordak, if they, if they have Hordak in it. I could, I could imagine Maybe. that as well. Yeah. Well, and they can get mm-hmm. some additional stars in there. Mm-hmm. Well, just think how much money they're throwing at these people to be a part of this. I mean, that says right. a lot about how much they're investing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, it, yeah. It's it's a curiosity too. It's like okay, I would never have expected them to be a part of Masters, just like I never would have expected Kevin <laughs> Smith to be a part of Masters. Yeah. So you know, who else are they going to pull in on this one to make it go? Never would have seen that, but now I gotta see it. These are some yeah. high profile names, definitely. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. And we've seen some celebrities uh, do voice acting for the Shira Netflix uh, show as well. Yes. And Gina Davis. And we've got the new uh, multiverse comic book series. Well, it's a six-part, you know, mm-hmm. but it can turn into so, to something bigger. Uh, we've got the the you know the cooperation between Mattel and WWE. Well, I mean, you know, of course they've got that con that uh, the license, but you know mm-hmm. we've got this effort uh, in the toy aisle already to mm-hmm. uh, bring about you know this this big culmination in the next year or two of masters mm-hmm. of the universe uh, to the big screen or maybe netflix we'll see yeah <laughs> we'll yeah see where it ends up <laughs> right yeah it's a new new era that we're entering for sure could you tell us how you got involved with the bio writing 
uh with the bio writing um yeah. okay so the that happened no uh, start with the genie and granting the wish it was that was <laughs> <laughs> uh, see you already told the story i don't need to tell it uh <laughs> He's saying, yeah, he's, he's saying a song about me never having a friend like him. It was, it was, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, um, yeah, it was right after I, I was, well, Scott, when, after Scott left Mattel, um, the, you know, Brandon Sapinski was pretty heavily involved in running um, the classics line. So there were no bios uh, that, well, they weren't, putting the bios uh, on the packages or they didn't have any plans to do that. So uh, Val had been in communication with um, Brandon Zabinski, Val, Val Staples. And as we know, you know, Val runs, uh, com- has his own company, MV Creations, which was the company that he did the uh, comic book through in the, during the 2000X era uh, through Image and then uh, CrossGen and, and then ultimately through MV Creations itself. Uh, so, with that company, Val secures freelance jobs on a variety of, of things. And of course, you know, being a fan of Masters of the Universe himself, he's often uh, involved in projects to do with Masters of the Universe. So uh, I know he had gotten Eric Marshall, who's known in the fandom as uh, Gibagok or G. Jibagok. I don't. I never know how to. I've known Eric is a one, wonderful guy and and a very talented guy. And I always never know how to pronounce his username. But uh, Eric Marshall, uh, Val had asked him to write the bios for the PowerCon 2016 exclusives, which was the Green Granamir, CamelCon, and Red Beastman. And uh, he did. He didn't include me in that. Or well, actually, that's not true. I did some. I did a bunch of research for that, and then I passed it along to Val because he had. Eric Eric include the gem of Magoo in one of the bios, which was a nod to my late late husband uh, Magoo, who had passed away in 2014. Um, but after that, um, in January, when they were going to roll out uh, the 2016 lineup with Lord, starting with Lord Mask, Val uh, secured a contract with Mattel. Um, and, uh, he then subcontracted Eric and I, he called me and said, Hey, how would, at this point in time, I was really burned out on He-Man cause we were coming off the character guide, which as I know Renee and David both <laughs> worked on that and you <laughs> know what a massive project that was. To it was do. the best year of my life to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. I'm very proud yeah. of, of how that book turned out. I'm super Yeah, it was tiring, but I yeah. can imagine the work everybody did because I was tired and everybody. Yeah. Really- oh, you did so much work on that. And uh, I mean, we all, David came in and did all the, you came in and Heck did all yeah. the, two th- the MYP too, you know, like that was a big, mm-hmm. a big undertaking as well. So uh, I was very burned out after that book and I needed a break yeah. from He-Man. And uh, I, I mean, I was, I, which is shocking. I mean, that takes a lot to get me to that point, but I needed a break. But then Val called me, you know, maybe a month or a couple months after that book was done. And he said, Hey, how would you like to write official bios for Masters of the Universe Classics? I said, Oh, I, I can't say no. How can I say no to that? That's, 
to write creative content for the brand, like doing archival stuff is, is awesome. And that's one thing, but to ask me to do like creative stuff. Um, so that was exciting. And uh, he, he uh, said, I'd be teamed with Eric and I loved, I was a big fan of Eric's um, fan fiction and his, his unofficial bios and, and the fan fiction stories that he had written. He's a really good writer. So, uh, and he was a very nice guy. So, um, he teamed me up with with Eric, and um, we split up the 2016 uh, bios. He did half of them, and I did half of them. And the the figures had already started coming out, so they told us that those bios wouldn't be on the packages until later in 2016. And I don't know what happened. Like it was during that time, I guess that they had, were were making decisions about uh, switching things over to super seven things were kind of in flux they were they they released the 2016 lineup but uh our bios didn't end up on the packages until the very end of 20 of the 2016 lineup which was the roton and skelcon uh they they sort of trimmed them down a little bit and did uh like shorter versions of the full bios uh so uh but fortunately uh later on they uh said we could release the 2016 bios online so we released we started something called masters mondays on the org which was initially through super seven and now is through through mattel uh and so they approved uh, all of those and we released all the other 2016 bios online so the first you know kind of packaging ones were on um the roton and skelcon and then after that when when super seven took over they kept us on board and we continued to write bios for the for the packages and we've done them for all the the releases for masters of the universe classics since then and we also got permission to go back and write bios for tons of stuff for digital bios that are official canon um and we got contracted we we did get paid for those not not a lot you know can buy a few cups of coffee i guess you know but uh <laughs> but uh <laughs> but those got released online so that that was that so we got we had we wrote a wound up writing a ton of stuff but the the thing was oh and ultimates we did the ultimates ones too for super seven the ultimates those were bio. amazing i was really impressed by those oh, thank you thank you that that was tough because um, that was kind of the directive we were given where was, okay, these are like the, the these are main characters, uh, like He-Man, Skeletor, Atila. So the directive was, all right, continue from where it left off, where classics, where the classics storyline left off. And at that point, it was like, we were into the Son of He-Man era and, um, it was King He-Man and, uh, you know, Skeletor was dead at that point. And there was like everything uh, was uh, kind of in a, in a different, strange place to continue from where it left off. So we were like, okay, well, we're going to kind of try to bring things f full circle here and bring some of these, you know, you can't have Skeletor dead permanently, you know, like that's never going to happen. You have to have Skeletor in the, in the mix. Uh, he's the main villain for the, for the brand. So you got to have so Skeletor. It became a mandate to retcon because it, it is kind of a retcon. It's a, in can it's like an in canon retcon. Like we, we, we couldn't reboot anything like the we we it ha, it was but it was a rec kind of a retcon with but within uh within the continuity of the story so it doesn't erase anything that happened before or overwrite anything that happened before it just kind of it righted 
the ship in some ways. Like characters, we did a resurrection event, kind of like a DC Comics does the, the the rebirth thing. Like we did something like that called the reawakening, where we brought characters back from the dead who died. Um, he he man, we you know things. We brought you know, Stratos back. You know? We did, yes, we did. Yeah, we did bring Stratos back and a few other ones too. Actually, we that are that are going to be coming back from the dead through through the use of magic. But it was started with Skeletor's resurrection and that that sort of triggered this uh, magical anomaly called the reawakening that that opened the uh you know the doors to the afterlife so to speak and the 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 some of the characters who who had died in the bios came back um because we wanted to keep them in the story and like well we we have we were given the sandbox of characters to play with and all the main characters that we all grew up loving are are dead (laughs) (laughs) or uh, and he-man was at that point was was yeah i was like oh come on you know we want to play with merman and then man at arms and stuff so we did we did some fancy footwork there and then we were all val had suggested also the uh because he-man was young in the pack it was his default look in the package and val was like well we have to justify why he looks like he-man so you guys come up with something to, to justify that so eric suggested the idea of um I think uh, sort of this uh, noble gesture where where uh, He-Man and She-Ra kind of return the power uh, of Grayskull to um, you know to the to the Star Seed, right? And because uh, Grayskull was gone too, Castle Grayskull had been blown up. At the- <laughs> I was Castle Grayskull. I'm like, all right, we got to bring Castle Grayskull back too. Come on. You got to admit, Skull. for a while it did feel like the end. You know, like every yeah. Was yeah. Over. Yeah, so we're like, well, we got to restore Castle Grayskull, and in doing so, He-Man and Shira's youth was also restored with the with sort of the rebirth of Castle Grayskull. So mm-hmm. that was justifying why he looks younger in, in the in his re-release for for Ultimates. Um, so it was a bit convoluted at first, and there was definitely some blowback from fans. Like they didn't know we were writing them, but there were there were some people that really liked what what, what we were doing, and some people that were kind of upset that we were. I guess retcon might be too strong a word, but you're you're right. It was it was sort of it's like you know if you got a broken arm, you got to kind of pop the joint back into place, or your arms out of socket, pop it back into place so that it works again, you know. And uh, but that that doesn't erase all the other characters, and that's the great mm-hmm. thing about about that um, that storyline is is like there are so many characters in Masters of the Universe and um, classics as a toy line celebrates all the different iterations of the brand. So the bios kind of are a reflection of that, I think, in that we want to celebrate all the different versions of Masters of the Universe from uh, other countries too, like things from uh, Brazil and and Italy and and Germany and England and stuff that we, things that we brought into it to sort of touch those corners of of the of the mythos too and there were some good characters you know and uh, i grew up well here in el paso um border to juarez mexico and i did have the uh latin masters of the universe comic book oh cool that's awesome they did have which again i think it was from all latin america Mm -hmm. um the you know the estrella comics and all that and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they were interesting they did the writers and the artists well maybe not the art it wasn't the greatest art in the world but <laughs> they did make efforts you know to give it some story elements to it that mm-hmm. kids like because in latin countries uh just like japan you know they're they take comics a little more serious mm-hmm. because that's their entertainment value 
and they want more bang for their bucks because if a comic book is not selling in Latin countries, they just cut them off right there and then. Mm -hmm. Like they just won't come back. Mm -hmm. So they really put effort into them. And I remember they had some good characters Mm -hmm. in the uh, Latin ones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I, and you guys did put some in there Mm -hmm. again, it's been years. And then I saw them later in the character guide and I'm like, wow, they really (laughs) did their research. (laughs) And there's possibility to bring them, you know, into official canon, mm-hmm. which would be amazing. Because, again, you guys, well, you, uh, you know, I know you, you don't take full credit, but you did bring in the newspaper strips, mm-hmm. which, again, I did not know they exist until you talked about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most most people didn't know about those. Uh, they, they ran for four and a half years in newspapers all over the world, and uh, it was a substantial amount of, of material for, for He-Man stories in those uh, newspaper strips. So that was quite a quite a quest that, that we went on to try to track all of those down. But uh, I'm very, really happy with, with that book. And uh, we found a lot of those. There were some that were missing, uh, and we found about more than half of the missing ones. Uh, we're still trying to track down some of the ones we we couldn't find, and hopefully someday, if we if we find them all, we can do a reprint of that book. That really like cool. you guys again, obvious question, but you know mm-hmm. one thing that's curious again, those missing ones mm-hmm. did kind of get annoying in the book, you know, with little gray boxes. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. But <laughs> what else? You know, what else could we do? You guys, uh, again, I, I'm trying to think the process. I know you looked at the, you you mentioned it before at the panels and. You pulled the original ones uh, forward, but you didn't find like duplicates or, you know, library uh, microfiche copies. Oh, no. Yeah, we looked. We went, uh, I mean, this was a huge process of of having people look at newspapers all over the world. Uh, I was pulling microfilm. I was getting microfilm delivered uh, to the Boston Public Library uh, from all over the place. And then I actually... Val and I met with Eric Marshall down in um, Washington, D.C., and we went to the Library of Congress, and we were pulling micro, tons of microfilm looking for missing stuff, uh, and uh, we just we just could not find – I mean, it's only like 2% of the strips were missing from the book, where, so we used summaries instead, so I think there were like 32 – total strips missing in the book out of over like 1600 uh, strips. Um, but we just, we couldn't find them. And then later uh, at PowerCon, Chris Weber and Karen Wilson, who were the writer and editor on the newspaper strips, uh, were at their table or sell it. They found some stuff in a drawer and Chris thought it was like stuff we already had. So they were, it was a, a not for a nice cause. It was like hurricane relief for Hurricane Katrina, I believe. Not Katrina. Um, I can't remember which. It was a it was a bad you know, natural disaster, and they were collecting money for a good cause by you know if you donated a couple of bucks, they would give you one of these proof sheets that they had. And uh, so I went by their table and I started flipping through them. And I the first thing I saw was, wait a minute, this is one of the missing uh, <laughs> comic strips. <laughs> And they were like, no, Chris was like, no, no, it's not. I said, yeah, believe me, it is. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> and then I started flipping through and I found several more. And um, unfortunately, they had actually, you know, sold off uh, several of those sheets. So I was able to find a few. And then a fan, Stephen Giblin, uh, who's pretty active on Facebook, he bought a sheet and he he sent it. He was nice enough to send it to me in the mail, um, which contained some of the missing strips. 
So uh, we're still missing. And then a fan in, a, a fan out in, I can't remember, was a, a Latin-speaking country, had a bunch of Sundays. No, it wasn't. It was in India, I think. Uh, a different newspaper that we didn't know about in India. He found a, t- a bunch of Sundays that he sent to Val. Stuff in color, too, that we only had in black and white. Like, he found a ton of color Sundays and Sundays we were missing. Uh, so I'm, I think I'm currently missing... Uh, 12 weeklies well you know daily strips rather 12 daily strips and two color sundays that were missing so a total of 14 still that we're missing uh so if anybody's listening and uh they bought comic strips at PowerCon from chris weber and karen wilson please contact uh council of the first ones and they can pass the message on to me or contact me on on facebook penny dreadful on facebook because we're still trying to track those down is there a place where people can go to find out which exact uh comics are missing in case they come across them uh, yeah, um, there's well, uh, there's a thread on the org about the newspaper strip book um, in the new media and licensed products section, and I have um, I have the breakdown in that thread, but I can send it uh, to you, David, if you want. I don't know if you want to post it in the adult yeah, adult collector absolutely. group or something like that. That would be very helpful. Of course. Thank you. Uh, not long before the newspaper book came out, I bought on eBay this huge pile of color newspaper clippings from India. Mm-hmm. Uh, of of that of those those comics and oh wow but then I sold them right right away because I oh. thought oh what what am I gonna do with these so, <laughs> yeah, so I wish, uh. really wishing I was held on <laughs> yeah it's uh it was tough tracking those down but it's like you know uh I was when I uh, was uh, in school I was uh, you know I went to college I was an English major actually so uh, a lot of research and uh, you know I used to have this professor who used to give us this uh, should call them treasure hunts and send us looking in the like dusty old books for like find this sentence that was written in this book in 1914 you know and I'd be, <laughs> it was it was I hated it but it was you know kind of drilled into me like sort of the research process so I, I misappropriated those teachings and used them for masters of the universe <laughs> <laughs> That's not misappropriation. No, 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 no. She would probably say it was. She she had a funny accent. She'd be like, Danielle, I cannot believe that you are using the research techniques I taught you to go look for (laughs) He-Man. I would have been like, yes, yes, I am. Yes, I am. And I am very proud of that. Now, one, I got to say, I think, my favorite, my absolute favorite bios mm-hmm. were the movie ones, the William Stout collection. Oh, yeah, those were fun. Could you talk to me about how that process, because were you guys tempted to do the movie? Oh, or oh, was yeah. that just out of the table? <laughs> I, I, I asked about that. Like, I was like, well, are these going to be straight up movie summaries or, are, or, or does it have to fit into the classics canon? And the response was they have to fit into the existing classics canon. Good luck with that. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> Uh, so, uh, it, which was, you know, humorous response, but, uh, uh, but it was, it was challenging because it was like, okay, these are completely different looks for the, for these characters. So how, how do we tie in, tie this into everything that's already been happening in classics? Um, so luckily there were a couple, um, Scott had left 
a, a gap there where Skeletor was was King Skeletor, where he took over. So we were like, okay, we can use some of that. Uh, but then we also kind of had an end end game in mind where Skeletor finally gets the power of the gods, like he does in the movie. Uh, so we could kind of bring that in, and then He Man. Uh, Eric came up with this idea that He Man had that this in, sort of enchanted armor that was forged for him uh, to protect him from from Skeletor's divine powers that he he acquired from the the Eye of Grey Skull. You know, so we we did tie in quite a bit of the threads from the movie. Uh, so to speak, you know, they weren't, it wasn't like a direct copy of the movie, but there were definitely threads from the movie. And then we tried to find ways to interweave that with the existing classics canon. Um, you know, it was, that was very challenging though. It was not, not easy to, to write those bios. I remember I was kind of huge undertaking. Yeah. It was, it, I was kind of sweating that one. Cause I was like, yeah. how do, how, how do we make this work? Cause we gotta, we gotta tie these, these visuals in to something that, previously didn't exist in classics, you know, uh, Karg was the easiest one I thought, because, um, I had written his bio for his, um, the magazine comic color, a Karg that, that super seven had already done. And we didn't, I mean, we had Karg in the movie, but there wasn't much that we knew about him. You know, he was kind of cowardly, uh, and he was a sort of had a commander role. So, um, I remember William Stout, had mentioned the sort of the dental tools hanging from Karg's belt, the strange, evil dental tools. And I was like, well, it kind of makes sense that this guy would be sort of a, an interrogator type, you know, like a, a, a Desaad, you know, if you guys know, um, uh, you know, the Marquis Desaad kind of a thing, you know, this uh, in, in Snake Mountain. So I kind of went in that direction with him. And then uh, the white hair version, that's like him later on when he's he's older, uh, I guess, you know, he's been incarcerated in Prison Star for a long time and the ravages of, of time and and age have changed his, his skin to an ashen color and his hair to a gray. So it's kind of like <laughs> a lot of sort of justifying these changes in appearance. Um, but he was one of the, the easier ones, I thought, to, to, to do. One of the things you did show at PowerCon was the timeline. How in the <laughs> world did you develop that? <laughs> that had to be insane. That was uh, th that was kind of a, almost a, a necessity uh, because we we had there are so many timelines spread out over thousands of years with Masters of the Universe. You have all the Preternia stuff with Hero and King Grayskull and 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 all of this happening, and you have stuff with gods. You know, with they they introduced the gods of the multiverse when they released Standor and and all this. So, and then we have the main Masters of the Universe timeline for Masters of the Universe, then Shira, the 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 Shira aspect of it when that comes in. And then we have new adventures. And Scott Scott had established some of that that to bring Dare into his teenage years. So Dare was like fifteen or sixteen at that point when Scott introduced him into the mini comics. So then begins the Son of He Man era. So we had to kind of I, I had a bio. I have a bio. It's not released yet, but it's like when He Man turns 50 years old, he's he receives like a sort of a boon from from Grayskull, like Grace a gift from from Castle Grayskull. Grayskull is bestowed upon him when he become when he turns 50 years old. So I was like, okay, how do we break down this timeline 
to the point where we know when He-Man is 50 years old. So it was kind of going back and like, okay, the main Masters of the Universe takes place over this amount of time, then New uh, New Adventures, then uh, Son of He-Man, and then we go into this reawakening where where we bring back characters, and now we're in this sort of this post-Son of He-Man era where things are, everything is on the table. All the characters are on the table, but things are coming back full circle now where He-Man is wielding the power sword again. We have Castle Grayskull back in the in the picture uh and we had to kind of figure out okay where where does each thing take place in in the timeline so that that was challenging it was like a lot of research and going through old bios and and figuring out figuring that out there were a couple of threads too that fans had put together that i found were very useful um uh, uki on human.org um has um has a like a narrative bio uh thread where he like turned all the bios into this very long narrative story and um i found that to be very helpful and then another fan named irian in germany put together uh, a a timeline as well where he broke things down and that that was also very helpful like i print actually printed those out and um i was using them as as reference in addition to the character guide too so like all of those resources were very helpful to put that together. Um, Timmy, I have a question. Out of all the hundreds of bios that you've written, what would you say was your favorite? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, favorite that I wrote or favorite that Eric wrote? Because my favorites are the um, ones Eric writes. <laughs> let's go with yours first and then Eric's. Well, it's like uh, children, isn't it? <laughs> <What's> <laughs> that, Eric? <laughs> Eric writes all my... <laughs> Eric, I, I was, I told Eric, like, I, I always get so excited when he would send me a bio because it would be like, oh, this is like, because I would look at that, like, when I was writing them, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm you know, doing this as a, as a professional gig that I'm writing these bios, blah, blah, and trying to keep the, the fangirl part of me in check. But when Eric would send me his bios, I would totally fangirl out on his bios. <laughs> like, oh my God, this is so cool. Um, I, my favorite of mine would probably be, uh, I think it'd probably be the Dark Star Fragment bio because I've always wanted to, to um, you know, there were always har- some horror elements in Masters of the Universe. And in one of your previous episodes, actually, Kelly, you made a really good point about Scareglow. Like that was kind of like for the figure line, that was the first sort of horror character i guess well you know but it's he was a ghost you know you can't that's 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 an archetype in horror horror literature you know so in film uh so they brought in a ghost uh and i always wanted and we also had shakodi and and stuff from hp lovecraft and i was like i want to write like a monster a monster mash bio you know where we have uh uh used to call monster rallies in the old universal uh, monster movies where you would team up monsters and i said well let's do something where scare while he-man is uh, off of eternia and having the new adventures uh scareglow decides this is his time to, to strike you know so he can he convenes this supernatural cabal of these of these supernatural beings so i use you know the mummy the rap trap the mummy i use dark dream this kind of wraith-like character from the filmation cartoon and then i brought in that the green witch uh from the concept which scott had been calling sultra so we used sultra uh the witch and then i create i was able to create my own character which I was, you know, that was a leap of faith. I was like, because we had to, in those early bios, we were trying to be careful to sort of stick with the stuff that existed. And I said, well, I'm not going to have a monster 
rally. You know, I'm not going to have a, a monster squad without a, you've got to have a vampire, right? So I, I, I had a, submitted a character called the Crimson Countess to the, uh, to the create a character contest. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to use her because Mattel already owns the, the character technically since I submitted it. So I'm going to just put her in the, put her in the bio as a vampire. Smart. Uh, and uh, I used I used her in the in the bio, and I had also asked Axel Jimenez to draw. You know, I, sh- I sent him my childish five-year-old looking drawing of the character because <laughs> I still draw like a five-year-old. Uh, so it was like I sent it to him, and he drew a really cool version of it. Uh, and actually, the, that character has since kind of caught on, which is was. I was not expecting. I was expecting people to hate me for introducing a new character to the mythos. But I actually got a pretty. I was surprised. I got a pretty good response to that overall, with a couple of exceptions. Um, but um, so uh, I was excited to write not only to introduce a character that I had created, but also to have a horror-themed bio where they raise an army of the undead and p- try to plunge Eternia into darkness with all of the most evil artifacts from the, from the lore. They they like acquire. They go on this quest to acquire these evil artifacts like the Horn of Evil and the, the Black Ruby and all these things to try to plunge Eternia into darkness. And they raise an army of zombies, you know, and I was like, oh, this, you know, a horror themed bio. And it was released short, not that long before Halloween. So it was like really good timing. Uh, nice. So I was excited to write that one. And then because I'm a big classic horror fan. So uh, and then uh, for Eric's bios, I love he wrote a bio for this the sword of gaz like a lot of our bios for the digital ones a lot of them are like artifacts and weapons and the sword of gaz was what mattel named vicor's sword in the in the ad copy for the because if you look at the ad maddie collector ad copy they would a lot of times they would name those accessories so eric wrote one for the sword of gaz and he wrote like the history of that sword and how it came to be and how it was forged by vicor's father and then vicor's father was was killed by the great black wizard so vicor wielded that sword and uh it had a very sword and sorcery vibe to it and i really uh i really enjoyed that kind of feel uh to it because vicor is a very you know he's conan basically you know he has that that whole vibe about him so uh i thought eric is really uh you know a huge fantasy fan so he did a really nice job of uh, of pulling all that together um so i guess those are probably my two might be my two favorite ones but i i like a lot of the the bios that especially the ones that eric wrote are really just really fun to read that yeah you know we did need a vampire one it makes sense mm-hmm. We, it we absolutely had, made sense. We have everything else in Masters of the Universe, right? From all of these, you know, we have robots and we have uh, ninjas and we have yeah. <laughs> cyborg cowboys and, and all this. I'm like, oh, we need, we need even a pirate. We got Seahawk, you know. We, we, need, we need a vampire. <laughs> well, they had it. We officially have a mummy now in our collection. Yes, so I can see Crimson Countess as an exclusive next year. <laughs> you got to push them on that. I, I like how you think. I like how you think. Tell that everybody message Mattel and <laughs> yeah. I doubt that will that will happen. Wow, maybe, if they're listening. Maybe if maybe if uh classics came back and continued for another ten years, maybe. Because there are still a lot of characters that I think people would want before that. Um, but you know, you never know. Maybe someday. I I was surprised. I mean, I didn't think I would enjoy these new characters like at the Power Con. You know, the the mm-hmm. Rap Trap, the Slammerai. Mm-hmm. And all those, and I got them, and I'm like, wow, these are cool characters. They're nice. I they do, are. I, I like having them in my collection. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, I would like the new adventures characters, but there's always mm-hmm. a good mix. 
Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it as there, there's from every corner of the, of the mythology, there, there are cool characters to be found. You know, there's a character I really like in the Italian comics who's like a cyborg minotaur named Minox and he can shoot lightning bolts from his horns and he was created by Skeletor. I'm like, oh, that's a, that a minotaur character would be really cool to have. So I'm actually having somebody make a custom of that, of that character for me. Um, you know, it's like, you know, there's so many so many cool characters out, out there. Uh, so it was fun kind of trying to work those into the bios, but still maintain a, a, a storyline and uh, move the uh, fill in the blanks maybe that Scott hadn't gotten to or course correct some things that maybe fans wanted to wanted to see or, or, or were, were hoping to see and kind of bringing that in and then uh, continuing it beyond that like if if using those kind of artifact bios to see where we could go with the story and we have ideas if we get hired to do more which i i assume we won't now that classics is going into hibernation (laughs) i i guess that you know that we have them they're approved um we have bios that were uh, completed submitted to mattel with with all the references and were approved for release release through november of 2020 so we have about another year a uh, little less than a year left of bio releases uh digital ones uh and then that'll be it well i guess well, for snake mountain i guess but <laughs> i look forward to those bios every week oh thank it's you it's a real treat Thank you. Thank you for sharing them to your to your groups too. I mean, it's nice reading them. You know, it's like, oh, how that got made. You know, how old that got made. The uh, book of spells, perfect. (laughs) You know, and the characters we got. You know, and then I was like remembering the dagger. Oh, I'm drawing a blank. (laughs) Oh, the the dagger of agony, Crucia, the dagger of agony. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which was one of the you mentioned before the dentist tools. You know. (laughs) Yeah. And now I picture now I picture Carb going drilling teeth and yelling. Is it safe? Is it yeah. safe? <laughs> Guess he's gonna have to co- mo- compete with Molar for. for yeah. <laughs> well, he just looks hey, like. Did you create a bio for? I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just curious. Did you create a bio for Point Dread? Uh, yes. They um actually Eric wrote a bio for Point Dread that was just released uh I think two weeks ago, uh online. Wow. It's on. It's po- it was posted on HeMan.org, uh, and that's where the the Masters Mondays bios get are posted weekly on HeMan.org's main page. And then I usually post them to my Facebook page. Um, so if you scroll back a couple of weeks, you'll you'll see it. Uh, it was the Point Dread bio, and then uh, I wrote one for the Talon Fighter. The the Talon Fighter bio is going to be released uh, in 2020 at at some point. So that'll be coming down the road uh, too. Yeah. So, yeah, those were those were fun to, fun to write. I was I was kind of disappointed when they released the Talon Fighter uh, toy that it didn't have a bio on on the package, because um, Castle Grayskull got a bio. So I'm like, oh, you know, get to get a bio for Point Dread too. You know, I didn't like that they alluded to, I guess, that the fighting foemen created mm-hmm. the attack track and the Roton Fighter and the Talon Fighter because mm-hmm. they're their designs were kind of motif to their vehicles, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and as I, I was a kid, I grew up on that record. You know, I got the Point Dread, mm-hmm. and remember it came with the record and all that, and mm-hmm. it said Zodak comes from scientists and ancient mysteries and part of mm-hmm. Grayskull, which to me had a richer storyline. 
Agreed. Agreed. So yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. And that's why I kind of put, I remember posting, thank you that it doesn't have the fighting. <laughs> yes, I, I saw that you posted that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that was kind of, I was, I mean, it's funny because some fans who don't like the bios will, uh, call you know to de- to put it down we'll call it say it's uh, fanfic you know and it's like well it's first of all fanfic there i've read some excellent fanfic some of which renee you you have written which is awesome um but uh, it's not it's this is actually official canon that, that was you know mattel stamped it we were contracted to to write them if i were writing fanfic i would my own fanfic things that i wanted to write i would probably start from scratch and do my own thing as opposed to continuing like what scott had written for eight years you know because then it was like okay we're we're which is good and bad like in some in good in in the good side it's wow this is awesome i get to write official stuff for for the brand but on the on the other side it's like well i wouldn't have made this choice and now i'm kind of like i have to use this choice that i've i've been handed so how do i make this work do i continue do I just stick with it or do I try to find a way to make it work in a way that I, I think works better? And with something like Point Dread, um, like Scott had already established in the bios that Castle Grayskull was built 5,000 years ago and that Titus helped build Castle Grayskull. Um, if I posted this on my Facebook page, like if I had my druthers, I would have Castle Grayskull's origins be lost to history. Like we don't know. It's a mystery. We don't know where Castle Grayskull came from. That's my personal preference. So if I were writing fanfic, that's what I would do personally. So, but I have to use what the you know we have to play the cards we're dealt whereas with point dread we didn't have a bio for that so eric was the one who made the choice and made the decision that point dread the 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 that the you know aspects of point dread were used in the construction of castle grayskull to sort of imbue some of the mystery of point dread and he had point dread's origins lost to time like nobody knows there nobody knows where point dread came from it's it's so far back in time we don't know and i I like that i think it's important to have mystery like that in masters of the universe because that's part of what was so compelling about masters of the universe in the 80s i think when we would look at that box art in the store and wonder what what's happening here like what is this about and you'd read those mini comics and and you'd watch those episodes of the cartoon and there would there would be these mysterious things that we didn't know the answers to and that they would hint at and I, I loved that, you know, so we we wanted to try to bring some of that back with Point Dread. And uh, I, I think Eric did a great job with that one. That was half the fun for me. Kid was making up my own stories and my own theories of how things came together in Master. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say one of my favorite activities is like sitting down with people, like hammering out like what ifs, mm-hmm. you know, or how did this happen? And yeah, you know, when it's established it does kind of you're right it does it's a good and bad it does give you some history but then at the same time you're right it does kind of take away i mean one of my favorite sessions i had was with crespo we talked about (laughs) castle grayskull and how it was made and yeah you know we talked about how yeah titus made it but he used the bones of an ancient god Oh from, yeah, um, dark yeah, mountain, yeah. and you know, and that's, that's cool. how it ended up with the skull motif, and yeah, it has to or you know a little bit more. That's why we were always like, mm-hmm. oh, they could have been more. Yeah, that's cool. That's a that's a cool explanation for it, definitely. And then um, if uh, Mark Taylor too gave an idea of where Castle Grayskull comes from, you know, and he said it was mm-hmm. like from 
the dark energies, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, he, he had like a whole explanation. I don't want to misquote him, but we mm-hmm. were, I remember sitting, I mean, talking to him and he gave like his idea and I was like, wow, mm-hmm. that was cool. And his interpretation of masters of the universe mm-hmm. was always like an interesting one, which is again, something I didn't think about, mm-hmm. but then I hearing love- it from the creator. Wow. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He has some very uh, definite ideas about how things happened, you know, and uh, the dwell of souls and Skeletor being thrown in there and and how he emerged from from there. I mean, he has some very – and He-Man's personality, very different from, uh, like, for example, Filmation uh, He-Man, you know, who is, you know, like Superman. You know, he has that very – that pure pure heart you know whereas mark's version is much more sort of like conan-esque uh in terms of this this is how he doesn't he's a protector and he will save you but he doesn't take crap from anybody kind of a personality you know which is very much in keeping with mark's well i'll say it he's not a fan of filmation okay oh yeah that's that's very clear yeah um so um but he has his own you know his own vision uh for it um and even that is, you know, you see elements of that show up in classics with things like Vicor and, and Demo Man and, and things like that. Um, and one of the things that I was, I remember being disappointed about uh, with the, with, was Hero. The, with like uh, Scott made, he kept King Grayskull as He-Man and She-Ra's ancestor, but Hero brought the sword to Eternia. And so this was a sort of an example of how to retcon without really retconning, like keeping things is like, we're like, well, heroes. We need to have hero as as He Man and Shira's ancestor. Like that was what he was meant to be in the vintage era. So, but it was very easy to fix that. It's just hero uh, and Shirella have a son, and King Grayskull and Vina have a daughter, and then they get married, and then they have kids. You know, they, yeah, they have a kid. So you can still have hero be He Man and Shira's ancestor uh, as uh, you know. You just have the two grandfathers right because we all have two grandfathers i i assume so so you can still kind of keep it you can still make it work it's just kind of doing some fancy footwork to figure out how to how to work things in uh, in a way that's organic i guess well that's why to me i always feel like maybe at times you do need a new interpretation Mm -hmm. because you know when they had hero hero was vintage Mm-hmm. And they had no idea of King Grey, you know, mm-hmm. and all that. That's 2000X. And 2000X, I don't even think they even thought of Hero. No. You know, I do remember uh, uh, some, uh, I think it was Rose Google Dinner they talked about, that they were aware, mm-hmm. the Mattel people were aware of Hero. Yeah. But as all intents purposes, I don't think they had every intention of bringing him in. No. Because they had their King Grey skull. And there, again, was good or bad where they put in that hero, the stories of the past. Again, you know, we can, you know, it's open to debate. And that's why part of me thinks, okay, maybe a new interpretation, (laughs) maybe something new now, you know, to bring in, kind of keep what's good, keep what's bad. Mm -hmm. And then it gets really convoluted. And Mm -hmm. that's part of why I fear, you know, after 10 years of the same toy line, it does get a lot. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's like some it's like a soap opera. Like you can't jump in uh <laughs> five years or you know, ten years into the soap opera and know what's going on. It's kinda that's a that's tough. You gotta do a recap once in a while, I guess. <laughs> 
those are the most expansive bios over the entire course of classics out of any toy line easily right yeah uh, they're they're longer than than uh we were given uh, a, a smaller word count at first and then we started pushing the word count when we, when we went over to super seven we're like oh, let's go up let's go up to 185 words and oh, so wow. we, we bumped it up so they were like <laughs> they're a lot like we, then we started the digital ones we kept them at like 185 words so uh, then when we got we got hired recently eric and i actually were uh, approached by super seven mm-hmm. uh, which was really cool to do the thundercats uh classics bios and uh those we also wrote initially as 185 word bios like long bios but then later on we were asked to trim them down we'd like have to drop them to like 95 words so they're like (laughs) half as long uh and those are straight up cartoon like we did not take any liberties and we didn't add (laughs) new story stuff to thundercats like that's Yeah, at least not yet. Maybe if the, okay. if the line keeps going for years and years, maybe we will, you know. But we- <laughs> okay, because I was like, I was remembering like back, I think it was the 90s, early 2000s, they did these Thundercat comic books. Oh, yeah. Where yep. mm-hmm. they, they touched on, you know, the things in the cartoon happened, but mm-hmm. there was some in the history, some after the series. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize too much. Thundercats did have an ending. Mm-hmm. You know, they did finish mm-hmm. the series. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, are you guys going to, now that you brought up, I'm like, oh, are they going to include the bloodline of lionels and you know, the we magic? Might, we might use stuff from the comics later. I, I don't want to rock the boat too much yet. Uh, like, yeah. we, we want to start out on a good foot, footing, you know, with this and, and want to be as faithful as possible to the existing stuff. And especially since now we only have 95 words to play with. That's not a so whole lion-o lot. So lionel is a man-child. Yes, Lion is a man child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we stuck with the cartoon, you know, like it was very much what happens uh, in the car. Like, because it's sort of those, they're more like the Club Grayskull bios that James E. Talk wrote. Um, they're like straight up kind of from the cartoon type type thing. So, how are your thoughts that uh, I think it was Scott Knightley who brought up that they were going to do Songster? Mm-hmm. Yes, and, they were. Yep. And Songster. <laughs> His stories are, I guess, his magic, like he would create stories and visual, and it would be visuals, that it was filmation. What are your thoughts? You know, it's interesting that he said that. You know why? Because I'm almost positive he got this idea from, from Val. Staples because Val on Rose Google dinner uh, one time on the podcast that we did years ago, Val said his plan for the MV Creations comic was that they, the stories of the um, early four mini comics, Don Glute and Alfredo Alcala, were going to be the savage, he, you know, the savage He-Man stories. He said those were going to be the stories that people told around the fire on Eternia that that they were like legends about He-Man, but that was like how they perceived He-Man. So it was interesting, like Scott suggested that for for Songster, that those were like the filmation stories were what Songster said. Like that's sort of a very similar idea, but instead of using the Alcala stories, he's using filmation. I mean, I think it's fun. Um, Part of me feels like, well, but what if I want those filmation stories to also exist in classics too, you know? So if they're just stories that were told by Songster, does that mean they never really happened? Or is he just watering or like making them more kid-friendly? I guess that's probably what he meant. Like he's telling about He-Man's adventures, but making them more kid-friendly. I think it's fun. It's a fun idea. 
definitely. Well, I was um, remembering because they had the the mini comic and they had Songster like telling the story to kids mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who remarkably looked like younger version. <laughs> that's right. He did. Yeah, that's right. I, I remember that. Yeah. I was very excited this past year because I was able to write not one, but two new songs for Songster. So, <laughs> so you'll be seeing a couple of Songster songs coming out soon. No, I'm not, not nobody singing them, but they're on paper, I guess. <laughs> he was oh, on, a lot of fun. Can we get cool. what's his name to do the song? He could dress up, do the video. Again. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Uh, Johnny Bilson. <laughs> yeah. Can we get him dress yes. him up again and do videos? Oh, I hope so. I was really hoping he would do one for Snake Mountain when they announced that. I was like, oh, my gosh. that would Because I remember he did that Castle Grayskull music video. It was amazing. It was 80s-tastic. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, Songster was almost – he was going to be the Club Eternia exclusive. Um, he uh, he was, like, very close to happening. They, they did not start – I don't believe they started sculpting him, but I know Georgia, who works with the Four Horsemen, Georgia Vukovic, I'm mispronouncing, butchering his last name. He comes to PowerCon sometimes, super nice guy and a brilliant sculptor. He sculpted uh, characters like uh, Fisto and, and Eldora for classics. Um, he was going to sculpt Songster, and he was already looking at preliminary um, images and things to try, designs and things to try to get an idea for how he was going to approach that character uh, in classics. So I would have really been curious to see how that would have turned out because uh, uh, I, I, that would have been, <laughs> I'm sure that would have been challenging to, to work that into, into classics, but I would have loved it. Yeah, because I keep thinking, you know, that in the alternate universe, we all would have been uh, talking about our songster figure. Oh, totally. <laughs> and, and hearing some some hate for it, too, I'm sure, from people. But Rob Bass would have been happy. Rob Bass is a big songster. <laughs> <laughs> that was another cool thing was finally getting to see the the power tour at uh, PowerCon a couple of years ago, because I remember Val and I were kind of tag teaming that one too and trying to get uh, Gus Park, who played Ninjor and the Power Tour. He he had the the f- footage of the actual show, which, you know, as fans, we, you know, that was like sort of a, a lost treasure as well. You know, we only got to see a few clips on on YouTube, so uh, we managed to talk Gus into having like conversations with him on the phone and uh, just. He was a really cool guy, really nice guy, but he was very, he's very protective of that, of that footage. Uh, and it's sort of personal to him. Like they, they get together, I think, at, at people's houses who were in the show and, and they watch it like every so often. They'll have a game watch the power tour together. So to get him to share that with the fans was like a, a really exciting thing. I know it's cheesy a lot. That's like, you know, what's He Man? stage show but it was so cool to finally get to see that did you get to see that yeah i was I at the panel i asked for a radio video city. that's right i remember that that's right yeah what's that radio city yeah radio city music hall did that's you go where i got you... to see it oh you saw it when you were a kid oh that's awesome yep. that's so cool oh my gosh what was that like seeing that live it was amazing <laughs> that's awesome wow so cool I wish that was like my, you know, if I had a DeLorean, I'd go back and that'd be like, <laughs> you know. And they used voice, the voices from the cartoon it was like Alan Oppenheimer and uh, John Irwin and I think and Melinda, I think it was Melinda Britt doing doing the Shira voice too. So wow, that, that, was, okay. that would be wonderful to hear. Okay, I just figured this out. We got to do this at the PowerCon. We need to recreate the show. Yes. <laughs> 
There you go. It's like going to be like Rocky Horror. We're just going to act it out under the screen. <laughs> awesome. Sign me up. I'm glad we we got to to chat for a while. So thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, likewise. Oh, it's always a pleasure having you. You know, and one thing uh, before we go, we always got to know. Uh, what are you working on? Because I know you got, you're always doing something. <laughs> well, next thing that we've actually completed work on is a supplement to the Character Guide and World Compendium. It's much smaller than the one that we worked on together. This one is only, she's uh, not, not it's, I don't even think it's 200. It's a small volume, uh, but it's packed with a lot of material. So uh, of like, I can't talk about specifically what's in it apparently yet, but um, it's going to be really cool. And uh, it's going to be a bonus book that you can order exclusively through, I think it's going to be available through PowerCon website, but I don't know the specifics on that yet. It is being published by Dark Horse. Uh, there is a lot of cool stuff in there that we did were not able to include in the original book. Uh, there are uh, additions to content that was in the original book, uh, corrections to a few things that we goofed up on the original book. There are a few errors in there that we were able to sort of address. Uh, missing entries from the original book from like the cartoon and from comics and stuff that we were able to include so that'll be in there and then that will be available with uh the big toy guide that's coming out and that's actually the most recent thing i've been working on is just sort of uh content proofing that uh aiden cross did like the major proofing on it but i uh you know pixel dan and val uh, worked very hard on this toy guide uh, that's coming out. So um, I was, I've been doing some like content additions, like little tweaks here and there, fixing some some of the text and stuff, and going through the through the documents for that book. So the character guide and world compendium supplement guide and the toy guide are going to be coming out. I think next, I, I believe it's next year in 2020. I'm not sure the exact date, but keep an eye out for that because that's going to be those are going to be two awesome books and must have additions to any collection uh, if you collect the dark horse he-man books you got to get both of these books because they're they're really cool looking forward to both awesome. of those yeah it's going to yep. be awesome it's going to be awesome and some 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 folks are going to be i think surprised by some of the stuff that you're going to see in these books because there's some really cool stuff in in both of the books uh i, I really i'm excited to see how fans react to, to the, these definitely nice yeah i would like to thank our special guest danielle for joining us again don't forget to check out he-Man.org for all the up-to-date news on He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. It was also just announced that PowerCon will be August 8th and 9th back in Anaheim. So you can start booking your flights now and your hotel rooms. Don't forget to check out Super 7 for all your Masters of the Universe and other collectible needs. Until next time, good journey. I'm Renee. I'd like to thank you all for listening. And uh, be sure to check out Nerds on the Couch for the latest nerd news and everything going. I'd like to wish everybody happy holidays. Next year at PowerCon, I'm going to be uh, recording live so I can show everybody that Danielle does seven things at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm David Clark. Thank you again for it's great to be back and to have Danielle on the show. 
and uh, you know I just hope everybody has a fantastic Christmas and good journey enjoy yeah this is Sean Scavarna and I wanted to wish everybody a happy holiday look forward to more episodes in the coming year uh, thanks again for having me on and thanks Danielle for dropping in and I could listen to you talk about this all day because I don't get to talk to anybody about this all day. So <laughs> it's awesome to have somebody with that much passion show up and share her point of view and her talent with us so thanks very much thank you this is David Rep, and I would like to thank you again Danielle for coming on the show today all day and I wish everyone a good turn thank you so much guys happy holidays everybody good journey This has been a Nerds on the Couch production in association with adultcollector.org.